The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vina Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, striving this week as every week to be your nation's public radio source for the information and inspiration you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. And um, need you to just sit back and relax tonight, ladies and gentlemen, because this is a pre-recorded program, although it is one that you have not heard before. And uh, the reason is that I am at Great Wolf Lodge. I am busily preparing for about 750 folks to show up tomorrow at the 2017 National Real Estate Strategy Summit. And I know you've been hearing about that here on the show for weeks and weeks and weeks now, and we've been preparing for weeks and weeks and weeks now. But uh, if you have not signed up and it has suddenly occurred to you that you probably ought to be there, you just need to show up tomorrow morning and uh, register at the door because everybody from my office is there uh, right now and will be up all night making ready for the 15 expert speakers, the nearly 40 vendors and service providers and of course all of you folks who are going to have a great time so uh pre-recording this program because uh there was one more person that i wanted to make absolutely sure you got to hear from uh, while i still had access because of the event coming up and that is sue nelson because uh, sue does something really different than all of the other uh, folks that I've been able to interview over the over the last uh, five or six months from the summit, uh, which is she does uh, apartments and commercial properties, and uh, it's a it's a it's a great story she has. She she was she was a high school art teacher, so really high income, like making millions of dollars a year, but then decided that that wasn't enough, and that she should go buy apartments. I'm kidding, of course she started out like a lot of folks do with sort of the in sort of the no experience you know not giant wads of cash to start with and she and her partners now own 1500 units across the entire united states uh which of course means she's no longer a high school art teacher so she's joining us by phone uh to uh, just um tell us tell us about Uh, her adventures in the real estate business and uh, how you can get into the same field if that is what you would like to do. So, Sue, thank you for joining us today. And um, Oh, my gosh. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Trust me, I'm I'm thrilled to do it. Not just just, uh, somebody who owns a number of units that's 
very unusual in the small residential field. It's kind of unusual mm-hmm. in the apartment field. There aren't, there aren't that many people <laughs> who who own or control as many units as you do. But also for it to be a woman is very nice. Don't We don't see a whole lot of women uh, in the commercial field. It is very nice, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very happy to be a woman in this commercial field, that's for sure. And, and actually, there's a lot of advantages, I think, to it. So um, not that we're over-advantaged to the men, but um, it, it helps, I think. I think, you know, people, women out there, you should not see it as anything you cannot do because it certainly is something that's just as easy to accomplish for a woman as a man. So excellent. (laughs) Excellent. So, so, so how did you get into it? Like what, what attracted you to this world of big properties? Well, uh, actually, you know, you never really know where you're going till, till sometimes you get there, even when you do all your goals and you think, Oh gosh, even though I never really thought I couldn't do it believe it or not. But uh, so what happened to me was um, I was a high school art teacher and everything was great. And I had a a bit of a shock to my life. Um, First off, I had, I had three kids. I started on my, I started in real estate on my second child, but I started because I needed to make money very, very quickly. I was going to, to school every single day teaching. I loved it, loved it, loved it. Um, it was great. It was great. And then when my daughter was born, she was born rather sick and I had to stay home, which was a complete shock. Nothing I ever expected. Um, and uh, it kind of catapulted me and into the world of, oh, my God, I got to make money really, really, really quickly. That brought me to seminars, actually, like the one you're about to have that I can't wait to speak at. And um, I love dearly. I've spoken there before. And, I mean, you put on the most incredible summit. So everyone should be going there. And actually, by going to a summit like that, um, that changed my life. That actually changed my life and catapulted me into – I was really interested in any – type of real estate you know I got into looking at single families three families all of those different things and then I was very attracted to the buy and hold strategy of of large apartments in fact my first deal was 104 units um which is shocking coming from an art teacher but it only really took me about it took me about four months to get there uh, and I was able to quit my apartment uh, I quit my art teaching business and go full throttle because that first deal covered my income as an art teacher so it was uh it's great I mean it's it's a no one you know I always like to tell everyone you don't have to start small to go big um even though people tend to be afraid of the big numbers Mm -hmm. but it's very doable Mm -hmm. I actually think it's easier to do my business than the single family business and over hundreds of houses, Dina, that's incredible. I mean, that is incredible. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Hats off to you. So, well, uh, thank you. So um, <laughs> so uh, the, 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 there is kind of, and I think you just alluded to it, there's kind of this, I don't know, unspoken thought in the real estate business that uh, you're supposed to start in certain ways and end up in a certain place, right? Like you're supposed to start out wholesaling single family homes because somehow that readies you 
to retail them, which somehow readies you to own them as rentals, which somehow readies you to go big time and go buy apartment buildings. And the, the reality is there is no prescribed career path in the real estate investing business <laughs> as you as you have shown. And, and, and I tell people when they when people say that to me, well, I'm going to start wholesaling, but eventually I want an apartments. I say, why don't you just own apartments? Like, like why do you have to go Absolutely. through anything before you go own apartments? Right. Absolutely. And that's the thing. It's, 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 it, if you look at probably history, you know, if you look at people who bought apartment complexes, companies that bought co- apartment complexes or actually single individuals, which many times were, you know, immigrants that couldn't even find um, a, a real job and they're buying a hundred units. Yes. <laughs> you know? um, if you look back in history, it wasn't it, actually most people who went to single family stayed in single family and people who went straight to apartments stayed in apartments. So it's, so you absolutely don't have to small start small to go big. What I try to do to make, Oh, I'm, I'm, I was an art teacher, so I simplify things and I, I, you know, but I personally think it's just as easy, if not easier to find a great deal, whether it be a commercial deal a large apartment complex or a small deal. Um, and, and what people need to think about is just taking one step of that business. Now, wholesaling single family is the same thing as really wholesaling commercial, you know, so you can find a great big building and you can bring in a partner or someone who brings in the money or someone who completes the deal with you. But the, but the real the real money is in finding the deal, you know, and there's lots of money out there to do the rest, Mm -hmm. you know? So I like to kind of get them to take a small bite of the elephant, you know? And I mean, I never dreamed I would, I would actually buy this first 104 unit. I just kept taking each little chunk of the elephant as it came. And I found that I could close, I ended up closing using none of my friends' money, none of my parents' money, none of my, you know, just just finding money to, to go into the deal because the deal was so good. And I kept thinking at some point I'm going to hit a blockade and I'm going to be able to wholesale this. I was already offered actually for that one deal 125000 And this is the first deal I'd ever done. I looked at a ton of deals to get there. Um, but, you know, you just you just have to look at it with small bites, and take a, you know, step by step, you know, not the huge picture because the huge picture is going to scare everyone. You know, I mean, our huge picture is death. <laughs> that scares the everyone to death, you know. So, you know, it's the you, small pieces of the big elephant, you know, and you'll get there, mm-hmm. whether it be single family or large deals. Very good. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. I want to remind listeners that this is a pre-recorded program, so unfortunately we can't take questions today. So just sit back, relax, enjoy what Sue has to say about how you can get into apartments, and we'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Fina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Sue Nelson, a former high school art teacher who now, with her partners, has 1,500 apartment units all over the United States and is more or less retired. Like, every time I call her, she says, I can't hear you. I'm on a boat on a lake with my family. 
Or, oh, I'm really <laughs> sorry I didn't get back to you yesterday. I'm in California on vacation with my family. So um, kind of living the life that, uh, you know, we all, we're all looking to live. And that was uh, thanks to apartments and commercial units. And uh, Sue, let's, let's address um, something that I, I, I wanted to touch on during the show because we just we haven't actually talked about apartments on the show for probably close to a year. Uh, what is the apartment market like right now? Is it, you know, the residential market's very bubbly and very, you know, inventory's tight, um, prices are going up. What, is, is a similar thing happening with apartments? You know, inventory is always kind of tight, I think, in apartments. It's always about, like, really looking to find a deal. You know, your deal sources really should be, like, I, I go directly to banks. I go to special servicers servicing the um, apartments. I go to um, individual owners. You know, I try to get a different lead generation than, than just going directly out to brokers. Um, but you know, remember, I started in 2006, and it was it was a lot more inflated than it is now. Personally, I think this is the best time to buy from for commercial properties directly from banks or servicers because they're actually letting go of the assets. You know, and um, there's a lot of opportunity. It's also a little, uh, you know, because apartments are based on um, income income minus really income minus expenses equals cash flow. So rather than the comparables of the single family, it's a little easier to value them, I think, based on, on their performance. You know, you're kind of buying a business and it's very, it's, it's very tell, it's very easy to tell whether or not it's a good, it's a good one. Um, Just to address really quickly uh, your comment about me being retired I am sort of semi-retired, um, and I'm in my 40s, so uh, it was a lot earlier than I expected um, because the properties run themselves, you know, and actually acquiring a new one is not that much work. I mean, it takes work, but once you acquire them, I have them managed, and i manager managing the manager, so I really have kind of um, opted out of my own job, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. And I've been able to spend a lot more time with my family. But back to the market, I mean, it is, this is the time. I mean, every, you know, every moment that everyone sits on the sidelines and doesn't move forward and doesn't start learning about this stuff and taking action is a moment that they're, you know, not going to get to that semi-retirement phase or what, what have you, you know. So, um, but it is a great time, in my opinion, to buy commercial. Mm-hmm. You know, it always it, it's always a good time, but it's a great time because you're really looking, like you know, you're really looking for the equity in the asset. So you're looking for the deal. You're looking for a good deal, and there's still plenty of banks, REOs. Actually, we're looking at a great deal right now that is well undervalued by the bank, but they just want to let it go. They don't want to, they don't want to want the hassle anymore, mm-hmm. you know. And there's there's owners like that out there, and there's you know there's deals like that out there. So, you know, mm-hmm. good time, good time. Are there any particular um, types of buildings that are more or less easy for a a new investor or a small investor to get into? And I, I ask this because uh, I was talking to somebody here in in the Cincinnati area who buys a lot of apartment buildings and he mentioned that 
over a certain size of building. He's having a lot of trouble getting offers accepted because there are apparently a lot of institutional buyers in the market right now who are looking for very large buildings and are willing to accept very low cap rates on them. So they're they're making these offers that yeah. just seem to a Cincinnati and like crazy, like, oh my gosh, you're going to get a three cap on, on mm-hmm. that building that's in an okay, but not fantastic area, you know? So are, are yeah. you, are you seeing similar things where certain sizes of buildings are easier to get? Um, you know, that's a really good question. Uh, I, I, I would definitely say that there are always buyers out there that are willing to pay way uh, more than they should. Um, and so those are usually broker fed properties. Um, there's always competition. Uh, I would say to kind of um, not worry so much about the competition and get out there and, and make um, offers. Having said that, I am very partial to buying anything that's over 50 units to 250 units. My With my average size being about 175 units is my happy place, I guess. But I say uh, 50 units and above because um, then I can have an on-site manager. So I'm not on-site. So mm-hmm. I'm not doing that part. Um, but from 50 to 100 the institutional investors are not as rabid about because they want really a hundred and above. So, um, and actually even they're even looking at more of even the, the 200 and above. So um, I would say anywhere from uh, 50 to 150 units would be a real sweet spot for a newer investor to um, start looking at those properties. Um, and, and I would encourage uh, people to, to um, you know, to not listen to the naysayers, even though they're very, some of them are, have a lot of property and some of them are, you know, um, are, you know, but I would encourage everyone to kind of take a step back, keep looking, looking, looking. It's all in the search and you'll find it, you know, and not to worry so much about the competition. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, you've, you've again, alluded to something now about four times that I, I definitely want to uh, uh, get to, which is you, you've taken a little bit of a different tack in acquiring your properties than a lot of, uh, I mean, we've, we've had other guests on here. We've had uh, um, some local and regional folks who've, who are into apartment buildings. We've had Anthony Chara on from time to time. And mm, they yeah, t- I know him very well. Yeah, and they and they tend to either talk about um, LoopNet as a as a source of deals, which is for those who are brand new to the business, is kind of a, it's kind of a, like a an apartment and commercial MLS that's national and that you know anybody can just access, right? It's just out there. Yeah. Um, or yep. they talk about you know you got to go after the off market deals because the off market deals are the one meaning meaning market to owners. But you've kind of you kind of took a third pathway here. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Oh sure, and and you know everyone. There are people who say LoopNet is the garbage um, bin for deals. I don't agree. There are some good deals on LoopNet. Um, it's it's very much worth a new person using that using LoopNet uh, to practice on. Um, but my favorite place to get deals 
um, and my sweet spot is is private owners, but but really it's actually directly through banks and servicing companies. Um, I've had extraordinary um, results, and so have my students, by sourcing them through both what's called real estate owned REOs, or even looking at the deal as a note um, purchase to bring it into an REO with the bank involved. And I've done that a bunch, and so have my students. So, um, and and now you're going to hear a flood of people say, no, no, people say you can't buy, you know, property from banks, you can't buy from servicers. Stop listening to people who own nothing and have called up one bank or one servicer and tried to make a deal, you know, because um, they're out there. And what's really wonderful is once you sort of pierce that veil of a certain bank or a smaller bank or a larger bank or what have you, your or a servicing company, they start feeding you more and more deals. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and interestingly, one of the folks that we had uh, on the show here, and I don't, I don't know if you've met him or not, uh, Jerry Fink, who's kind of a you know well-known local guy here. Uh, yeah, he, I know Jerry. Yeah, he, yeah. he his, very well actually. Yeah, his hundred plus unit building uh, up in Columbus, same exact thing. It was a, I don't remember if it was a short sale or if it was an REO, but um, you know he he got a deal that by any measure <laughs> was a really good one. Now uh, it was for sure distressed, and I don't know if that's typical of the the you know the ones that you're either buying the notes on or buying as reos are you are you typically getting value plays that way or did you ever see something that's like really really fixed up i have bought quite a few buildings that are really really fixed up where the bank has poured money into the into the building but they've been what i look for is not highly distressed buildings or i do not want vacant buildings i do not want um like low occupancy buildings i look for really 80 percent and above and i'm looking for banks that and this is very very common property management companies take advantage of banks and their expenses are very very high so i always look for the distress is actually in where they're paying you know the bank is paying too much in expenses so i can bring those expenses down immediately i don't look for distressed property where it looks you know, ratty and tattered and is in really bad locations or really bad, um, you know, I'm not interested in that. And, you I mean, you're going to do some exterior fix-ups fix probably, um, but, you know, and you're going to be changing the reputation sometimes of the building, but you don't want anything that's really in a bad location or or distressed or, or low occupancy. I, I, I can't actually steer away from those three things. Mm. Mm, good to know. Good to know. So not 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 um, junk hunting, but bargain hunting. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's a million um, buildings out there in America that should be torn down tomorrow, and you don't want to buy those <laughs> because they're a hundred units. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so All I right. don't know a million. That's a lot, but you know, there's a lot of buildings out there. You're 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 well aware. Yes, well aware. Well. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, Needs to take another quick break. Uh, Talking today to Sue Nelson about uh, buying apartments and commercial buildings and her sort of experiences and preferences and philosophies in that regard. But we will be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. I'm actually 
in two places at once. I always wished that I could figure out how to be in two places at once, and I finally figured it out. <laughs> and the solution is be at the National Real Estate St Strategy Summit over at Great Wolf Lodge, but have Dave Schramm record your last show that you have to do before the summit and play it. And then people think that you're at the station, but you're not. You're actually over prepping for the summit. Uh, so um, talking today to Sue Nelson, who is, um, if she's not here at the Great Wolf Lodge, she will be soon <laughs> because she's speaking. <laughs> yeah, she's speaking at uh, the summit. She's our only commercial slash apartment speaker at the event this year because She's the only one we need. Um, she, she's she's kind of got this down pat after 1,500 purchases. Um, you know, I, Sue, I know a lot of people, uh, especially when they are first in the business, in the, in the apartment business, they don't have zillions of dollars to put down. They don't necessarily know tons of people with zillions of dollars to put down, and I know that, you know, when I'm trying to do a single family home deal with a bank, they're not into doing anything creative with me. It's like cash on the barrel head, no questions asked, right? Is it different with commercials, commercial properties? Is there anything creative you can do with these? Well, actually, it is different with commercial properties. And I'll tell you why. Because the reason why um, the single family, and I do single family, by the way, too, because inevitably, while I'm looking for large property, single families sort of fall on my lap, and I do do them. I don't do a lot of them because, they're, you know, a three-family will take me as much work as a 100 units, actually, <laughs> on the purchase. I'm not kidding. And you said, you know, uh, that I have 1,500 purchases. I don't. I have. I actually um, have gotten up to 2,500 build, uh, units, but because those are large apartment complexes, my average size probably being 200 units, that only represents maybe 12 buildings, mm. you know, so I'm not running around. I mean, it might be 12 buildings inside one building, but, you know, it's they're all separate complexes, but it's like 12 deals, you know, so it's not it, it, it's it's why I didn't sit on my boat as you were talking about. But the thing is, um, uh, I personally think that. Uh, banks are actually far more interested in doing some really creative deal strategies with buyers um, of commercial and because they're dealing with a $3 million deal instead of a $30,000 house or a $300,000 house. So they're willing to really invest a little bit more time. You're not working with some $12 loss mitigation um, pencil pusher. You're really working with a much higher level um, person at the bank who can start making decisions and who have started to make decisions. And sometimes you can be the informant of this property, basically, once they give you the numbers, because these banks, you know, most of them have no clue how to run an apartment complex and they don't want to. And they don't know that, you know, some, you know, a lot of these loss mitigators are dealing with huge portfolios that they've been, you know, really, sick of running you know they're overworked they still are uh overworked in that way and you know they they're they will do some really creative strategies i've i've had banks that have helped me set up a side llc and i've actually gotten the deal for nothing down now now that is rare 
so I don't want people to count on that. But there's a lot of opportunities for some amazing um, uh, creative financing, which is a lot to talk about. I mean, there's so many creative financing strategies. Most of the things that work for single-family homes are work for commercial, and then there's other strategies that work for commercial that don't that wouldn't be applicable to single family homes. On the second side, I think you asked, uh, one thing I wanted to say is, yes, I know you have no money. I mean, I know that most people I'm talking to don't have a down payment of $900,000 in their pocket to purchase a property or, you know, down payment. I, I'm fully aware of that. I started with negative in my bank account. Um, and the reason why I went big was because I saw an opportunity where, although I had no money, I actually needed less money to do that, I thought, I thought in my mind, to do a 100-unit building than to do a single family because I had no cash, and I knew I had to look to investors to find the money. And I'll tell you, a great deal, great deal things, volumes, brings in a lot of money when it's a commercial deal. Um, I had no money, and my first deal was 104 units, I was afraid to go to friends and family because I knew they would think I was crazy because I was an art teacher and, you know, how could you possibly do this? Um, I made a really great proposal and I started bringing it around to investors that I didn't know and uh, they pulled the trigger. And within three months, I had raised $900,000 from no friends, no family, no nobody who knew me. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I was in the closet for five until I had 500 units. I was so afraid <laughs> to tell anyone. I'm serious. I was so afraid to tell my parents that I'm doing it. I was afraid to tell my friends that I'm doing it, you know. <laughs> Interesting. But there's there's more money now than there was when I was, uh, you know, because, because now you can actually um, – there's crowdfunding. There's all sorts of different ways to bring in money. My favorite way is the private money way. And I've been able to raise a lot of money with a very limited amount of investors. And um, my investors are now some of my best friends, and they can't wait for the next deal. I have more money than deals. You know, so that's where finding the deal is key, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I one deal can really change your life. You know, whereas one single family deal, you know, that's going to make a little mark. But um, and <laughs> I am not knocking the single family business because I think it's tremendous. I'm telling you all to go into whichever niche serves your needs the best or, you know, work with both. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. so um, the money is and, and oh gosh, we sing the song on the show all the time about everything, about defaulted notes, about apartments, single family homes, you know, pretty houses, ugly houses, whatever you want to say. The money is not a problem if, A, you understand what kind of money you're looking for and where to look for it and B, the deal's good. So yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to I'm just going to say that again to all the new investors <laughs> who might be listening and, and, and saying, but well, sh <laughs> but there's no way anyone's going to give me money or do a creative deal with me because I'm a brand new investor. OK, you need to get you just need to learn about the business to get rid of that particular uh, limiting thought. Um, you know, things are cliche because they're true, you know, <laughs> and, and the other thing is, you know, I, I mean, if this, you know, there are a couple of things, if I could do it, they can do it. I was an art teacher. 
I hated money and I knew nothing about finance. And the other thing is I had no money and I had no experience, but I went crazy at the knowledge by going to um, places like, and I can't wait for the National Real Estate Strategy Summit, which you have to go to because where are you ever going to be able to sit and listen to 15 different types of strategies because we're all coming at it from the same from a different place completely mm-hmm. but what an incredible thing i that like i said that that changed my life i did a summit here i went to a summit here and i thought i was crazy to even go and with it that night the first night of the of that summit i um went to bed and i was like oh my god i'm never going to be poor again you know <laughs> uh, really that's that was how empowering it was but um uh so so that you know you got to go there you got you got to go there but things are cliche for a reason knowledge is power and if i were to lose all of my money and all of my things tomorrow and even my even my connections, I could build everything back up in three years mm-hmm. with my knowledge. Yeah. So <laughs> everyone should, you know. And an, and another cliche, because my my my, cliche. my father used to say that. And when I was a little kid, I, of course, I didn't understand, and I thought he was just bragging. And now I realize that what he was saying was, I don't have to go back through all the mistakes and the learning curve and the. You know, uh, all all the stuff I went through the first time. So it's the, 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 the power in having the knowledge about how to generate cash and wealth is not actually in the cash and the wealth. It's in the ability to con- you know generate it at will. Uh, we need to take one, right. we need to take one more quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the top things that are going to lead to your success listeners as a, a new apartment buyer. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, talking today to Sue Nelson in a pre-recorded pre-national real estate strategies summit interview. And uh, we are at Great Wolf Lodge right now in uh, Mason, Ohio. And if you um, did not get a chance to get your tickets from the station here at WMKBFM.org, you just need to show up tomorrow morning and uh, join us at the summit. Um, Sue, uh, I always, I always like to explore the question with folks who have, who have done something that the brand new investor coming in and just learning about it the first time is going to say is extraordinary. You know, I, I started as I started completely outside of the real estate business and I ended up owning apparently 2,500 apartment units. I've been you, you need to update your website, girl. It says fifteen hundred. Uh, well, because that's what I hold now, fifteen hundred. Ah, ah okay. and, and you know, it's it's a safe there. It's like a safe, it's a safe haven, because I don't want to over um, say what I what I don't do and do not have yeah. because at different times it changes. You know. Yes. So yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. So so and and those are with my partners, by the way. So it's right. not you know. Yeah. It's not Sue sitting on her 1,500 units. It's like, right, like, right. It, 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 it takes a village to buy an apartment building if you're doing it right. It's, it's correct, yeah. <laughs> a good team. That's yeah. right. Um, so so let's talk about uh, how other people can, or like, I don't know, in your experience, what makes people like you successful that 
other people who aren't successful don't do? Like, what are, what are your top three things that would lead people to success in this business? Okay, well, um, now I'm going to go back to the cliche. <laughs> um, <laughs> without a doubt, hands down, number one is taking action. You have to get off your couch. You have to start, and well, learning is going to be my second thing, but you have to implement what you're learning. You have to start getting out there. You need to pick up the phone. You need to call brokers, banks, servicers, you know, what have you, and you just have to take action. Um, I think the number one uh, denominator of a successful human being and an unsuccessful human being is one who does not take action is going to be unsuccessful every single time. Um, so, you know, it's true that 80% is showing up, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, it is, you know, and then number two is absolutely 100% knowledge, you know, getting out there, learning everything you possibly can. I mean, I didn't know the questions that Vina was going to ask me before we started this interview, but I know my business so well inside and out that I'm never afraid of a question, you know, and I'm not saying that you need to, to do that, to take action, um, students, you need to start walking and, and start talking to different banks and start talking to different potential sellers and not being afraid of doing that because you're going to start, you're going to stumble, you're going to fall, but who cares? Call, call, a, um, call a bank in a place that you have no interest in buying, you know, just to get your feet wet, you mm-hmm. know, sorry, bankers out there, or call brokers out there or um, potential buyers or what have you. So it's all about first taking action, second knowledge, um, third, because there's so many, there's so many things. Um, You know, I would say paint the world gold and look at it in in an optimistic way. I I think a lot of people look at things through rust-colored glasses, you know, and people want to be around people they want to be around. So I'm a wealthy individual Uh, I know a lot about apartments. I want to be around people that make me happy, you know, so I want to be around the optimistic person. So that's true with very many people, including the curmudgeons out there who, um, who do own a lot of property and are wealthy and, you know, but they still want to be around some optimistic people, I think. Um, I think optimism has gotten me in a lot of places. That is, that is, that is. Uh, an amazing statement. I've never heard anybody put that on their list of things that uh, are going to make people a success. But um, I can tell you that I've been I've been thinking a lot over the last year or two about how obvious it is when someone walks into a RIA meeting for the first time, like never met him before, right? Mm. There, it, it takes it takes about 30 seconds to determine whether some of them are absolutely not going anywhere like they're just not going to make it nothing is going to happen for them and then there's others that within like 30 seconds you can go oh well she's going to go far right or he I guess is going to go far and I've been trying to I've been trying to express this to other RIA group leaders by saying the real estate Eeyore's you know, mm. the, the, ones, yeah. the ones who are, who like, like, you know, just nothing. No one around here wants to help me. I don't, yeah. I, 
I ask questions and people don't give me a three-day seminar in in the 20 minutes they have standing here. And then people want me to pay them to 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 give them to give me the three day seminar and it's just not fair and it's in it, no it's everyone's so competitive around here and they're, it's like they're having a different experience than everybody else you know what I mean it's like they're standing they're standing in the same room as everybody else I had one the other day tell me well you know this might be a great networking event for someone like you this was about the summit this might be a great networking event for someone like you because you're important and people want to come talk to you. But for someone like me, who's a nobody, and I'm like, you realize why people are coming to talk to me, right? They're complaining that their name tag is spelled wrong. They're, they're, they, you see all these people coming at me, but they're not, they're not there to network with me. They want something from me. And the reason you're not networking is because you're not networking. <laughs> like you're putting out this vibe, like you don't want to talk to me. And right. it is, it is, it is so absolutely true that you know, a, a positive attitude attracts people to you and attracting in, in real estate, attracting people to you means attracting money and deals and partnerships. And, um, that, that's a, that's a great observation that probably only a woman could have made. (laughs) (laughs) Well, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I'm just, I happen to be a very optimistic person. I mean, that, that is, that's just part of my nature. But, uh, you know, it's the Eorg thing goes so much deeper where, oh, you know, this doesn't work. Mm-hmm. This doesn't work for me. Everyone's lying here. to this, me. I have no money. All, all Why is it a cliche? All, all real estate gurus just want my money. They're not actually teaching me anything that's any good. It's Yeah, I know. They're hiding everything. <laughs> They're really only telling me the thing that... You know, things that don't work, and they—I know they are telling me everything. Yes, exactly. (laughs) That's that—that—that attitude is literally going to get you nowhere. It's a, uh, and I—I—I don't want to beat this thing to death, but I'm so thrilled that somebody said it. Um, uh, we we get we get people who come to the summit, you know, one year, and they say, "Oh my gosh, these 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 speakers—they—they—they only give you eighty minutes worth of information, and then for ten minutes they're trying to sell you a course." And I, I didn't come here to be sold courses, and it's like they're offended, you know. And I, my my, my, fir- my first reflexive statement is always, "You're offended by getting sold to? What business do you think you're in?" How, how are- <laughs> How can we possibly cover and give you all the tools that we have in 80 minutes? I'm offended when I don't get the offer. I know. Like, this is all you're I telling me? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Like, I want to know, how do I go further? What can I use? What, do I, what, can I, what can I steal from you, not steal from you for real, because I'll never use it my students. But what can I take from your 12, 14 years of hard-earned, like my course has been like like tested and twisted and made better and better and better and better mm-hmm. in the software. You know, I could never start there. Mm-hmm. Like I'm giving 14 years of you know experience, but also thousands of students trying mm-hmm. it and telling me what's wrong. Oh, well, <laughs> and at, at, at the at the same time at the same event, there there will literally be people who leave with three of those composition books completely full of notes of things that they want to implement and they listened to the same lectures you know it's like i am that person <laughs> some some <laughs> some people some people are like well hey they just wanted to sell me a course and other people are like look at all this information i got so it, it it's a, it's a very interesting uh dichotomy and you know if uh, hey if you're a natural pessimist i mean i think there's been studies now that say that 
naturally some people are optimistic and some people are pessimistic. Um, it's a thing you've got to get over, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's like, I think it's something that you can learn. I think it's a learned experience. It can, you know, if you, if you were born a natural pessimist because you're blaming it on your mom and dad, um, I think you can get over that. You know, I think you can, you know, start just, you know, thinking the world's going to be good today to, you know, have that affirmation in the morning and just, you know, keep, keep with that. But mm. I don't know. It's just me. No, I agree. Cause I'm a natural born pessimist or, or uh, what, what mm. all, what all natural born pessimists say is that they're realists. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's the excuse mm-hmm. is it's I'm not being pessimistic. I'm just being realistic. And, you know, there's something attractive about the fact that when something bad happens, you're not surprised. <laughs> but, Absolutely. but, oh, and, and you should, I mean, you have to have a dose of, of, of realism. Yeah. I mean, yes. you, you can't, you can't be optimistic and then not be real. You should be realistic at the same time. Yes. Yes. You know? Totally agree. Yeah. But I have, I have learned that, you know, it's, it's actually okay to be excited about stuff. It's actually okay to think that things are going to be good that the universe might have your back today so good (laughs) stuff uh sue we are unfortunately out of time so uh really appreciate you coming and coming and sharing your experiences and your philosophies about your apartment buying look forward to having you back here on real life real estate again we will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing until then happy investing